We'll be looking at Deuteronomy 33 in a moment, but this is Remembrance Sunday when people across the world remember the millions who have died or been wounded in world wars. Since the war to end all wars, the Great War, and many wars since that, millions of souls sent to an early grave. And still, the fighting goes on, doesn't it? On and on. Politicians make the decisions, but the armed forces are the ones who have to carry out their decisions. And the civilians in these countries suffer greatly with these wars. Some of the decisions obviously have been ill-judged over the years. Nevertheless, those very politicians like, for instance, Tony Blair, have made vast fortunes on the back of those very decisions and even, like him, have become peace envoys to other conflicts. The whole thing is crazy. We live in a crazy, evil world. All that pain and suffering and sorrow shall someday cease. But not through any man-made peace envoy or worldly organization or even a church like Rick Warren's Saddleback and his peace plan. Look at what the prophet Micah says. He looks forward to that glorious day. Micah 4.3 and he, our returning Lord, that is, shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. What a wonderful day that will be. Revelation 21 verse 4 And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away this time of the year you know I was just thinking about it we're reminded of war poets a bit on the television about war poets the other night and there was a, a chaplain in World War One, a man called Studdard Kennedy. He was also known as Woodbine Willie. And he wrote poems. One of the ones he wrote was called Indifference. We looked at this a few years ago. Indifference. It's a parable, this, really. When Jesus came to Golgotha, they hanged him on a tree. They drave great nails through hands and feet and made a calvary. They crowned him with a crown of thorns. Red were his wounds and deep. For those were crude and cruel days. And human flesh was cheap. When Jesus came to Birmingham, they simply passed him by. They never hurt a hair of him. They only let him die. For men had grown more tender. 
they would not give him pain. They only just passed down the street and left him in the rain. Still, Jesus cried, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And still it rained the wintry rain that drenched him through and through. The crowds went home and left the streets without a soul to see. And Jesus crouched against a wall and cried for Calvary. People are indifferent these days to the gospel. Let's turn now to Deuteronomy 33. We read just a few verses. And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. Yea, he loved the people. All his saints are in thy hand, and they sat down at thy feet. Every one shall receive of thy words. And that's all we're going to read because we won't get very far this morning on that. In chapter 32, we had the song that Moses taught to the children of Israel. It was one full of prophecies foretelling how they would depart from the ways of the Lord. How they would turn away from God. And how God would judge them. In verse 46 it ended with this, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do. Therefore, of this law. Keeping God's law was to be, in fact, that which would bring them life. Sadly, they failed. But now we see in chapter 33 the wonderful grace of God and as we go through this chapter we'll see how God's grace to his chosen people is declared unto them in the blessings which God was going to give them. What a wonderful change from 32 to 33. If we had gone on just a couple of verses further on in verse 4 it says Moses commanded us a law even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob and he was king in Jeshurun when the heads of the people and the tribes of Israel were gathered together Jeshurun was a, a name means the upright one and it was a symbolic name for Israel describing her ideal character. The church is the bride of Christ. Israel was the wife of Jehovah. But she played the harlot. And that's why in chapter 32 we have all the, the, the prophecies prophesying how she would turn away from God. Look at verse 1. 
And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. Six times in scripture we have Moses called the man of God. But only once in the whole book of Deuteronomy is Moses referred to as the man of God. Moses wrote a psalm, you know, Psalm 90. Someday we, we shall look at Psalm 90, maybe when we get finished this book of Deuteronomy, finally. But the start of that psalm, the little heading as it is, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And the last two verses of that, the psalm, verses 16 and 17, Psalm 90, Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. That's the way he finishes off this wonderful psalm. Verse 12, he says, he reminds them, Teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Verse 17, Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. The beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Moses' psalm, Psalm 90. But look at what Moses is called here in verse 1 of chapter 33. Moses, the man of God. What a wonderful title. The man of God. I was wondering when I was thinking about this, could this title be used of me? It conjures up so much. For one to be called and recognized as a man of God. I went back to the story, or went forward to the story, of Saul. Saul, who would become king of Israel, he was out looking for his father's asses with a servant. They searched the countryside and they couldn't find them. The asses had gone missing. Evening was drawing on, and so they decided to seek out the man of God, Samuel in this case. In 1 Samuel 9 verse 6, here's what it says. He said unto him, this is Saul and the servant, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, referring in this case to Samuel. And he is an honorable man, all that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go hither. Peradventure, perhaps, he can show us our way that we should go. This man of God. And I'm sure that what we say of Samuel could equally have applied to Moses, the man of God. There are three identifying features and facts here about the man of God from which we may learn a lesson. Digressing a little bit. 
the first thing is he was known as an honourable man. This man of God, Samuel, he is an honourable man. The man, Darby says, is held in honour. Now, this is not something that a man can acquire by himself. I can't suddenly decide I want to be an honourable man. It is something which is recognised by other people. Recognised by people with whom I live, I work, and where I meet day by day. You know, in Parliament, politicians call each other the Honourable Gentleman. The Honourable Gentleman from Cornwall East or something. But in many cases, that's a sadly a title of convenience and has not been acquired by character of lifestyle. It's just pure tradition. You know, we as Christians must have a good reputation. As it says in First Timothy 3 verse 7, Paul was writing to Timothy and he was talking about people who would, would, would be leaders in the church he must have a good report of them which are without. The people outside the church must recognize that the person who is leading as a bishop or as a deacon must have a good reputation with those outside. Very practical. First Peter 4 verse, uh, from verse 7, I want to read a bit of this. But the end of all things is drawn nigh. Be sober therefore and be watchful unto prayers. This is a good a definition of an honourable man or how to be an honourable man as probably you will find. But before all things having fervent love among yourselves because love covers a multitude of sins hospitable one to another without murmuring each according as he has received a gift ministering it to one another as good stewards of the various grace of God if anyone speak as oracles of God if anyone minister as of strength which God supplies that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom is the glory and the might for the ages of ages. Amen. Beloved, take not as strange the fire of persecution which has taken place amongst you for your trial, as if a strange thing was happening to you. But as ye have share in the sufferings of Christ, rejoice, that in the revelation of his glory also ye may rejoice with exaltation. If ye be reproached in the name of Christ, blessed are ye, for the spirit of glory and the spirit of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Let none of you suffer indeed as a murderer or thief or evildoer or as overseer of other people's matters 
But if as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but glorify God in his name. That is the reputation of an honourable person in God's sight. It's a difficult life, the Christian life. It's not easy being a man of God. The second thing that it said about this man of God, the Samuel, was all that he says comes surely to pass. He was completely trustworthy. If Samuel said it, well, there was no reason ever to doubt it. Isn't that wonderful? What you heard from Samuel had not to be retracted. He hadn't to say, I think you've got the wrong end of it, you've taken it out of context. No. What he said was what you got. How do I fare with this test as to being an honourable man? How do, how do I stand up to this one? Can it be said that what I say is the truth? And as we often say, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Not the truth and leave out some of the, 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 the truth. And therefore, the truth becomes a bit doubtful. All that he says comes surely to pass. What a wonderful reputation this man had. And then the third thing was, he will show us the way that we should go. He'll show us the way that we should go. This is something to which we as Christians should aspire. We should aspire to this. The Lord has put us into this world as witnesses. The world is lost. People are going through the motions of living. But they're lost. As were Saul's father's donkeys. Saul and his servant were at their wit's end. But thankfully for them there was a man of God whom they knew he will show us the way that we should go. He had the answers to their problems. He would show them the right way to go. Can we tell people the right way to go? Christ is the answer to my every need. Christ is the answer. He is my friend indeed. Problems of life my spirit may assail. With Christ my Saviour I shall never fail. For Christ is the answer to my need. And as Christ is the answer to my need, he is the answer to the world's need. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. This world is lost. And like the souls and, and his servant, they, they couldn't find their way. But they knew a man who will show us the way that we should go. People are looking for answers. Can we give them the answer? The world is not looking for 
pious platitudes. You know, this 12 steps guide to a better life. The world is looking at you and me. It's looking for reality. They want to see reality in people. Worldly people can recognize a phony. Sadly, you know, Jesus said, Christians are more easily taken in by shams than the world. In Luke 16 verse 8 he said, And the Lord commanded the unjust church because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. You won't pull the wool over many people in the world, but you seem to be able to pull it over a lot of Christians' eyes. You know, we need to be ready to answer the needs of the world. Paul commended Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Now I liked what Strong says about instant. He says to stand by. You know, quite often as you go down around the, 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 the towns you'll see notices in wind car windows. And uh, it may say nurse on standby. Nurse on call. Or fireman on standby. They're ready all the time. And that's what Paul says. Preach the word. Be on standby. In season and out of season. Paul says that we should have that notice on us always. On standby for Christ. For us as Christians there's no off season. We are on standby. Or we should be on standby all the time and we should always be truthful we should always be truthful how that excited the apostle John in third epistle verse 1 and chapter 1 and verse 3 he says for I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee even as thou walkest in the truth. People want to know the truth. Now, it's sometimes difficult. A while back I spoke to a vicar regarding the funeral service in, in his church, in the Anglican church. And I asked him why he commended the soul of our brother here departed to the Lord even though he had probably been dead for seven or eight days. At first he denied that he'd said it, but I heard him do it. And then he said his reason was it comforted the relatives at the funeral. And I, I was just amazed, and I said that. Then he, t he tried to backtrack on that. But we need to speak the truth in love not made up ideas and fables and error Ephesians 4.14 
that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ May we each one study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Moses was the man of God, as was Samuel. What applied to Samuel, I have no doubt equally applied to Moses, that great man of God. All the Old Testament prophets showed in their lives and in their actions to a, to a much, much lesser extent some of the attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the man of God. We read in 1 John 4 verse 10, Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, the means of appeasing for our sins. God had to be appeased. And he sent his Son as the spotless Lamb of God to die on Calvary's cross for each one of us. He was the man of God sent by his father Philippines 2.8 and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross the second thing was he was an honourable man an honourable man only of Jesus Christ could God say This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 17, verse 5. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. 2 Peter 1.17 For he received from God the Father honour and glory. Jesus Christ received from God the Father honour and glory. He was an honourable man. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Revelation 4.11 Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelation 5 verse 9 And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, 
For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue, and people, and nation. Our Lord is worthy of honour. He is honourable. And then the third thing that applied to this man of God was he will show us the way that we should go. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. John 16:13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Psalm 16.11 Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures for evermore. Ephesians 3.19 And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. In Christ Jesus, the one who came, dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And he will show us the things to come. And in his word, we have all that we need to be missionaries for Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. We've been sent like John as witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. It goes on about John. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth Moses was the man of God what a wonderful title to be given the man of God the man of God came to seek and to save that which was lost.
the Lord Jesus Christ. God showed that he was honourable. Given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. May we all be men and women of God day by day. As we go through this difficult world. This barren wilderness. The man of God blessed the children of Israel. The Lord Jesus Christ will bless us as we seek to do his will. To speak the truth in love to a lost generation. Speak the truth that Jesus Christ said. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. As we said that little chorus we used to sing in Sunday school. I am the way, the truth and the life. That's what Jesus said. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way, the truth and the life. That's what Jesus said.